Hey, Treflight Tribe and my Trep Stars, I just want to offer my sincerest of apologies for the recent inconsistency and release of new content from the most eclectic podcast on the planet, the Treplight Podcast. I have been struggling with editing episodes, um, also struggling a little bit um, with rescheduling for guests, also some issues with Anchor, but you know what? We are going to continue to persevere and make it happen for you. And by you, I mean the people. I mean the trap stars. I mean the entrepreneurial rock stars. I mean everybody that's inspiring and inspiring any game changers in the world. So, as always, dreams over doubt and dedication over despair. So, we are going to close out season one with 50 episodes. And we will make it happen. So without further ado, I am happy to present episode four. I'm sorry, episode three of our interview with Artist Replete. I know we initially said we were probably going to do five episodes. It's looking more like four, but that may change. We will keep you updated. Enjoy this great episode. And thank you to... Uh, Christina Fernandez and Matthew Moore of Artist Replete, the f- co-founders of Artist Replete, fantastic company. More cap- collaborations coming soon, and just wish them all the best. And big shout out to all of our guests. We have some phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal guests, and I'm so happy that um, they come on this platform and bring their best versions of themselves. Hey, this is Christina Fernandez. I am the co-founder of Artist Replete, and here's our story that I'm sharing on the Trep Life podcast. Artist Replete empowers artists and creatives everywhere. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter at artistreplete.com. Thanks. Background as a college graduate, mm-hmm. and um, you're working in the workforce now in corporate America. What have you seen that you feel like from those uh institutions right um that has prepared you for entrepreneurship um well i think the one thing um when i i graduated with a degree in psych so i initially wanted to become a therapist that's what i graduated and i wanted to do after college however um so yeah my first job was as a social worker loved it it was great however i'm very emotional (laughs) And I get really attached and I got really attached to my clients. So like I really was taking their problems and making it mine. Like I didn't know how to leave work at work and it would just became so heavy to like, no, I didn't know how to leave my work at work. I kept bringing it home with me. So anyways, Matthew's over here. He's like backseat driving over here. (laughs) 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 So I would keep bringing it home. And I remember the amount of stress and like, you know, my clients, I worked with um, the people who had dementia and Alzheimer's. So like some of them would pass away and it would just really take a toll on me. And eventually I had to like kind of t- tell myself that wasn't the field for me anymore. It, it was just, it was really exhausting mentally and emotionally. But that actually made me stronger to the point where now I actually work um, for guaranteed rate. So whole different ballpark. I work in their marketing department. I love it. It's great. Um, and it just kind of made me realize that there's worse things in life. So when people complain about, oh, I, why didn't you get this done for me by Friday? I'm like, 
relax. You're, you're alive. You're breathing. Things are good. And I think it's made me patient, honestly. And I think an entrepreneur, like when you're an entrepreneur, you do have to have a lot of patience, you know, like businesses don't grow overnight. And I see Matthew sometimes and it's like, he gets so frustrated. And I think you need to have a lot of patience and know that, Hey, you know, it's going to have my days where it's really freaking hard and it's going to have days when it's so amazing. And so I think that aspect, um, for me, being a social worker is going to really like help me when I do, you know, find my passion and want to become an entrepreneur. And don't get me wrong, to be completely honest, dating an entrepreneur is not all ponies and butterflies. It's freaking hard. We definitely have our fights. But I think another good thing is I'm like a sponge and I actually like what he's doing. So I actually, he, he teaches me like when he learns something about like Photoshop or like his website, he'll actually show me. And I think that that aspect is very important in like the relationship that we have is that I want to learn. I like, I like art. I've learned to appreciate art in a way where he appreciates art. And I think that if you don't have that same interest with your partner, then that makes it difficult to date. I think just in general, it makes it hard to date. Yeah, absolutely. And even times 10 harder when it's an entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's like their baby, you know, sometimes I come second. I'm like, Hey, wait a second. Aren't I your baby? But then like artist replete has baby too. Right. So <laughs> We have a rule sometimes when he's on his phone and I'm like, okay, from the hours of 9 and 10 p.m., you're going to put your phone away because it's like he's always online because that's what his business is. So date nights, I always tell him, put the phone away for an hour. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a really important thing um, for entrepreneurs too. Uh, so just take a, a, a chunk of the day and unplug. Uh, I really like going to the gym sometimes and not even bringing my phone because we get in this habit where we're, we're glued to the thing even people who don't have online businesses they're just they're glued to it and it actually can become very counterproductive and you don't even realize it's becoming counterproductive so it, it's good to just put yourself back in check because just you know as a reminder hundreds and thousands and millions of companies got created without the use of a cell phone so you gotta you gotta put the phone down sometimes put the laptop down and and take a time maybe each day to just to look around you you know look at the stage you're in in your in your life reanalyze things uh and and then 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 go back to it i think unplugging is you know if not every day at least every other day is is very important I agree with that. Um, I think that's something I struggle with in particular. It's just unplugging. I always feel like I have to be available 24-7 because you can't ever plan out surprises, right? You never know when you're going to be, when there's a crisis that you might need to hop on for and figure things out. And Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You always get, you know, I've gotten tons of three, four AM phone calls where it's just like and some Whoa. of them haven't even been bad. Some of them are just like I've had, you know, a business partner call me and just be like, hey, I have this idea. I think we could do this with the company. Yeah. Uh, like, it's good to like write things down and I've definitely had those moments where I'll get up to go to the bathroom and an idea hits me. So I'll write that down. 
And I know Christina has seen those moments, and she's like, what the heck are you doing? Like, she'll look, and there's a, there's a, there's a guy in the kitchen, like, writing an idea down in his underwear at, like, 4 a.m., and that guy is me. And, uh, but it, it's, when, when things hit your mind, I think it's important to not let them escape uh, because you got to, you got to take advantage of every idea and, and, and add it and find every moment when you can grow where you're trying to grow. I definitely agree with that. I have a few more questions for you guys and I'll let you get out of here and on to your busy schedules. Um, and, and I would like for both of you to answer these questions if you would like. <laughs> but, um, so it was my understanding that both of you were in the modeling world at some point. Oh, man. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, for, for a little bit, I... Uh, I, I, I wanted to create more awareness about myself in some way. I wanted to feel some sort of empowerment. So I, I met some photographers, some different photographers. And I, and I, and next thing you know, I got, you know, a couple little small ad, uh, ad jobs. And I did a little modeling. Um, Christina also worked with, uh, some photographers as well. Uh, and I think it's good, um, while you're finding yourself in life to explore different different avenues you know it's good to 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 do what you feel and, and not worry about what everyone else thinks like that that I can't stress that enough because there's been many times when I'm like oh maybe I should just go into real estate everyone's making tons of money in that or maybe I should uh you know go back to school and become a doctor a lawyer and all my I got some friends who make a lot in that and then you just realize no no I'm going to do what I feel inside is, is the right thing for my life. And at that, and at that moment, I felt like that, that would be an interesting thing for me to do. So, yeah. Christina. Uh, to add. So for me, I, I'm five, two. I, I always was like, I'm going to be a model. And then I was like, I'm too short to be a model. So I've never, I know Matthew's done his modeling in the past and he, you know, actually worked, I think with some agencies or uh, not, some probably like high end photographers. Not really like anything worth <laughs> mentioning. Uh, it wasn't, it's not even a career or any, even a job. It was something that uh, just to bring a more awareness about my, about my, myself. So. Got, it. Got it. Well, for me personally, I wanted to change the game. I was determined when I was a little girl. I was like, I'm going to be a model one day. And I'm going to be a short model because it's going to be different, you know, because I feel like models, everybody's like five, eight and up. So I always liked being in front of the camera. I was never, it was never hard for my mom to tell me to pose and do something. I even had my own like favorite pose where I had my hands underneath my face and I turned to the side. Weird, but that was my like look when I was a kid. Um, But for me, modeling wise, I only would shoot with like friends or friends of friends to help build their portfolio. And I just enjoyed it. You know, it was kind of like, it was like a way to hang out, network, take really cool shots. And I think it helped build my Instagram, to be completely honest. So, um, but that's, yeah, self-promotion, exactly. But um, that's the furthest I went with modeling. Um, but yeah, sometimes I'll still shoot with friends if they reach out to me. And I think that's pretty cool. What do you think of the Chicago modeling scene? Oh, man. I'll yeah. let Matthew on first. <laughs> um, I think and I'll just be very blunt with this. If you 
believe that you're something special because you have a genetic uh, makeup that you're tall and beautiful and you want to walk into a room and, and think that, uh, that you're a sig- an, an important person because of that, uh, I think that is uh, a, a really hysterical notion to, to put it uh, delicately. Uh, and that's why I, I didn't really get, go too far on that because I didn't really like any of the people I was associating with. There's a, a lot of people who think very highly of themselves in that industry and, and, and oh, who'd, who'd you, what agency? And, uh, and I'm just like, yeah, you know who my agency is? Uh, Instagram. Like, I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. Like, uh, I, I'd rather actually do something that, that amounts to something in society that, that they can benefit other people's lives. And, and, and that stuff is just, you, it's great because you're, you're benefiting maybe a company with a marketing ad or something like that, but it's filled with a lot of people uh, who um, are very egoic and egoic for no reason at all, you know? And uh, yeah, that's, a, it's, it's, that's a funny world. My thoughts on the Chicago modeling scene. I think that everybody thinks they're a model on Instagram. Um, I think that it's great, but I don't want to be a model. I think that um, everybody's doing it. You know, everybody wants to pose and post. And honestly, I feel like modeling isn't taken, isn't looked at the way I used to see it growing up. I think before I used to see modeling as like with Tyra Banks on that um, show she used to have. Um, oh, yeah. he's getting blown up. <laughs> Is it those four AM calls? It's only five thirty. <laughs> yeah, right. He's lining. He's lining something up right after this. <laughs> My apologies. It's okay. No worries. We understand you're a busy person. I like the rawness of this whole uh, conversation of this podcast too. This is this is raw life. I think uh, I. I'm like, this guy like wrote all this stuff down and he's like reading it from a prompt in this podcast. Uh, I actually like the rawness of this whole idea. Unscripted. This is us. N- no filter. You know, guess what? Entrepreneurs, they stutter. They say, mm, you know, they, yeah. I say, you know, a lot. Like, People have their whatever. tips. That's life. Keep moving on. Keep, in, keep making things go. So anyway, let's continue. <laughs> yes. Okay, so what would you say are three transferable skill sets? And I can give you a definition of that if you want it. Yeah, I would like that. Okay, so the way I define transferable skill sets are skills that you can use in one or more disciplines. So multiple disciplines, right? Um, That could be leadership skills. Uh, that could be analytical reasoning. It yeah. could be sales. Um, it could be team building. Yeah, yeah, for, be, sure. Okay. for sure. Okay. Um, just kind of- I, 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 I guess I'm just gonna create like some vague ones that that kind of relate to everyone and everything. So, so, and then I could just stress the importance of those. I think it's really important to have a knowledge uh, and be very and be tech savvy. I think being tech tech savvy. To some extent, is is gonna is gonna is gonna do a lot of justice for your life. Uh, that's because the we live in a world with more and more things uh, online. The number one business is not a brick and mortar anymore; it is online. And if you're tech savvy, 
you know, and if you have a natural, uh, you know, a liking to anything in the tech world, whether you play on social media a lot uh, and, and learn that, you know, you can help companies with their social media. And I can't stress that maybe you can write an email campaign. Maybe you're good at blogging it and you understand how blogs work. I think you can't, uh, I can't stress the tech, being tech savvy enough. The second one I'd have to say is I think it's good to be healthy uh, and in shape because there's always going to be like physical labor work out there. And you can't do that if you're not, you know, in good shape. Um, the third one, uh, I'm going to pass that to Christina because I don't even know number three. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree with both that Matthew mentioned. Um, I would have to say um, actually leadership I think is important. I think that growing up I was always like, not to say a pushover, but I always like the nice one. You know, I never really stuck up for myself. I was just like, yeah, sure, no worries. Whatever you want to do, let's do it. And I think that in the real world you actually do have to be a leader. Um, especially if you're trying to become an entrepreneur, as I am, um, you know, if you want to raise, you got to go ask for it these days. That's how I got my last one. So I think leadership would be very, very, very important to um, as well. Want to create a company for yourself or create a new idea or just create anything. You're going to have to have some leadership skills embedded in your mind because at, at certain moments where oh, how should I do this uh, should it be like this or this or, and you're going to have to lead and I believe it should be this way and, and you're going to have to continue to lead and you're going to have to uh, have conversations with yourself at times where, where or maybe I should alter this and, and that's all goes back to leadership skills as long as you have motivation and a hunger to learn then you already have some of the most important parts of having leadership skills. And, and also uh, just knowing that you're not going to know everything right off the bat. You're not going to be an expert in your field. And even the experts in their field are still learning all the time. So leadership never, never stops. And it, it comes in millions of different forms. I like that. I like both of your responses to that. Okay. And I will add this though, Pete. I'm going to say this. Okay. Matthew was like, although Christina, when we, once our complete, um, you know, takes off, I'm going to have you fire people if I need them to be fired. <laughs> yeah, she's, she, she's going to be the leader, leader in that. You're not the nice one anymore, huh? I know. And I'm actually kind of excited. I was like, I cannot wait for this. Yeah. She, she, we're real excited to have employees so we can just fire them. <laughs> Just that's not, that's not like exactly the whole all. first string of employees just yeah yeah you're that's... just getting hired so you can be fired yeah like and, and you know what like i have been through that multiple times in my life um and and a lot of it is people are let go uh in their job just because the company is changing things are downside they don't have the budget to take care of some things sometimes especially in smaller companies and people don't understand that you know because they don't have the the, they don't look at things from the other perspective. So, you know, being um, creating your own company, you really get an understanding of both sides of, of the perspective of what's really needed in an employee and, and what's important. And, uh, you know, I've been uh, hired and fired in, in multiple different fields. And I, I like better, you know, not necessarily calling the shots, but 
being able to create my own work environment. And a lot of the things I didn't like seeing in companies as I worked at me, I'm going to, going to try and, uh, and create that with my business, Just different, different ways that a company is going to be going to operate. You know, I, I don't think I'm going to have people show up at nine and leave at five. You know, I think I'm going to create a, a different schedule. I think I'm going to change all of that. What, what am I going to do different? Uh, that, that, that time is going to come and then I'll, I'll worry about it then. But I know that the way that uh, it operates, the workforce that could, that needs changing as well. So I think everything can be updated. I agree. Um, you know, personally, I don't really care about the hours that someone is working. I just care about is the job being done. So yeah. I don't see any reason why people can't make their own schedules. Performing like we do with entrepreneurs. So we can afford that luxury to employee, you know, the people on the team. Yeah, I really like um, that uh, I've done freelance work in my time where it's performance-based pay, and I, uh, I, I still do sometimes uh, freelance work just to get when the website is uh, slow. Uh, I'll do some freelance for just for fun just because I have the connections where I can do that stuff, and um, and it's all uh, perf- performance-based pay. If you perform really well, you're going to get paid really well. If you don't perform at all, then you're, you're not going to – be taken care of and that that just makes sense and i think uh you know more companies should embrace that uh and and give bonuses when things are great and and and, and maybe pay a little bit less when, when they're not doing good and that sounds really messed up and unstable but but that's how it on the unstable feeling is how it feels when you have you know your own company and you're you're funneling your own money around so right yeah i think performance-based pay is that? But I think we've gotten uh, astray here, uh, a, a little bit on my part, because uh, I have tangents. But anyway, let's get back. Let's get back to it. I'll pass the mic back to you. Were you passing it to me or Christina? I, I'm passing it to Christina, and then she just passed it to you. We just okay. like a musical board right there. <laughs> you lied. Nah, it's all you. So this is a question that we kind of talked about but we didn't really go into detail about it what made you come up with the name artist replete yeah so uh, a big thing within the art world is uh the starving artists you hear that a lot like oh i'm an artist when, when if i'm in a conversation with uh 10 people and someone says i'm an artist i think like six or seven of those people are just like oh this guy's probably poor uh or, or this guy's probably like not doing so hot in life you know and, and that stigma is because of the industry that's been created for these artists uh and that's why there's the term starving artist so i live in 60 percent you know yeah we'll you a starving artist yeah yeah your your best your best test score in that in that corporate world is going to be a failing grade right so and and yeah and I literally tried to come up with a, a word that was the opposite of, of starving. I didn't come up with it. I looked up a, different words that just meant the opposite of starving. And then I checked out this word in the dictionary and it said replete. And I, it just meant, you know, full, abundant, you know, satiated, uh, plentiful. And I'm just like, this is it. And so I just put them together. Artists replete. You know, we use, uh, the, a lot of our branding has has AR on it, mm-hmm. and uh, our slogan is "Some traditions were made to be broken." And uh, this corporate structure with a, a gallery business, 
uh, I believe it's at this point, it's made to be broken. It, it needs to, to change and it needs to be changed for the better, you know? And I think uh, uh, empowerment among artists, having artists, you know, being able to sell their own work or, or just, just creating a whole movement and changing this industry that has just, you know, uh, it stayed the same. No one's challenged it really at all. And uh, this is my lifelong mission to not only challenge it, but to improve it and uh, educate other business owners on how they can improve it as well. Because it's, it's going to stay the same unless a lot of people are, are, are awakened. And, and, and that's, that's the mission of Artists Replete. Christina, what did you think when you first heard that name for the company? Um, I actually, when I asked Matthew about it, when he, um, when I first heard the name, I, I personally, I was like, okay, Ars Replete, that sounds cool to me. And then I asked why, and he actually mentioned that um, uh, about the, the word deplete. He taught me deplete. He was like, you know, I just feel like people are always like spending money, like especially these are times when people are spending money on bottles and going out a lot. And his point is that he wants art to be an investment. Um, so that I actually liked the meaning behind it. And, um, you know, he wants people to buy something where years later it can be worth something more. So like, you know, I, I, and the whole slogan of the some traditions were made to be broken. I actually um, thought that was pretty badass. I was like, wow, that sounds like so savage. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I loved it from the get go. I've always liked the name myself. And, and I'm speaking of that from like, uh, a marketing standpoint, I think it works. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely um, a catchy phrase where um, people are yeah. like, wow, I want to do that. You know, like it, it's like a brand that you want to be a part of. Yeah. And, and we have a lot of people who don't necessarily even buy art from us, but they support what we're doing. They'll, they'll read the blogs. They'll share the blogs. They'll, they'll click like on the posts. And that's one, you know, small step closer to, to changing uh what I personally feel is a, a national epidemic and maybe I'm uh, oh, a lot of people who are in that industry might be listening to those words and think I'm completely overreacting, but I think it is, you know, uh, it is a global uh, problem. And I think that it's an industry that needs a, a lot of changing around. And there are, you know, millions of artists out there that are undiscovered and, will never really be discovered and never really go as far as they could because of the system that's in place uh, for them. You know, they, they think, oh, I got to be with a gallery. They go to a gallery or the gallery likes their work. Maybe the gallery doesn't like their work. And the best they're going to get is 50%. Uh, and so some galleries, they, 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 take, they take lower, and, and that's great. But then they, they don't really have a strong online presence. And it just really needs to, need to understand the way that the world is changing uh, and more things need to be uh, online and to kind of uh, tell people more about the company, uh, you know, um, the way that the traditional art business works is you go to a gallery, you purchase work, you find artwork that is around you. Um, and the idea a decade or two decades ago to, to buy a piece of artwork online was, it was just baffling. You can't do that. That's not, that's not smart. You're spending X amount of dollars, you need to see it in person. You know, with photography is advanced, and we really try and do our best to recapture how someone would look at an art piece in a gallery online. And we're still uh, upgrading that that model, and, and still 
pushing it, but that's, that's one of the ideas. And, and, you know, we've been lucky enough to, to grow this to a point where uh, we have clientele in, in London and then, but we don't, we never even knew anyone in London before this business. We have, you know, clientele in Canada. We had very limited friends in Canada. Uh, you know, we have, we're growing clientele, not just in the U S but internationally. And that's because of choosing to do this online and choosing to do this uh, aggressive, aggressively online and spending that, that those, those dollars on online stuff instead of a rent uh, on a brick and mortar space. And, and that's been the, the whole, the whole theory of this. And, and many artists out there actually look at this business model sometimes and say, I don't get it. You guys don't have a space. How are you going to have an art show? And, and then they come to one of our shows and then they're like, whoa. Um, and that's not to, uh, you know, uh, create an ego environment but that's because because people are used to a certain type of art show they're used to a certain we're we're taking the entire idea of everything in the art industry and spinning it around and something different and we're taking the whole model and we're adjusting multiple parts of it so being an industry disruptor and an entrepreneur those are um, two things that can coincide with each other but don't necessarily have to yeah um so that kind of makes it even more uh stressful to a certain extent because if your business fails then the concept that you believe in kind of fails with it right but if it succeeds then you're changing the industry yeah definitely and in order to, to adjust or change an in industry you need to have a level of tenacity that is almost scary to a level and when and to to kind of give you insight on what I mean, you need to be willing to, to work to a point um, and say, you know, I'm going to give this 40 years uh, and, and, that, and I'll do that. And, and if it's rough all those 40 years, I'm going to take it. And, and, that, and that's the level of, of enthusiasm and passion you're going to have to bring to the table if you want to change everything. You know, I remember um, uh, watching uh, documentaries about different uh entrepreneurs and steve jobs and how the you know the laptop that we use today uh, him and his his friend created but before that idea it was it was it didn't make any sense it it was dumb to think like that and you're gonna have whatever you're trying to do if you're trying to do something different you're gonna have naysayers you have a lot of people that are gonna be stuck in a certain model of life and and a certain idea that you're, you're gonna have to just just keep going no matter what everything feels around you, if it feels, oh, maybe this is not a good idea, you're going to have to continue and, and, and you're going to have to just believe in it, you know, just like you believe in it and, and breathing every day. It needs to be part of your life. And I'm not trying to make some sort of motivational speech here, but that's and literally. But that's what it is. That's the reality of it. That, that's, that's what it is. You need to be obsessed because being into something is not enough. It won't cut it. You need to be utterly obsessed. You need to be like, you know, I I rather sleep outside and follow my dreams and possibly like, like mess up my whole life in order to make this work, um, or and rather than playing it safe, you know, the whole time. And you need to. And it sounds dumb, and it, and it sounds uh, like all rational thinking is out the door. But you need an element of that for for things to succeed. And that's what uh, 